Hey, are there places on the planet that you have no desire to go, that you actually have an aversion to? Well, I suggest that perhaps it is because you've experienced a past life in that place and that past life still haunts you in a way. Today, I want to talk to you about soul retrieval to a place of aversion. I hope you enjoy our time together. You are listening to Soul Awareness with Constance Mesmer. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is my experience, both in the personal work that I do in my own meditation time and in my own travels, as well as healing work that I've done on others and readings into the time capsule of the Akashic records and past lives and all of this, that I've uncovered the fact that there are places on the planet some people have unfinished business at. And therefore, sometimes when it's something that needs to be reconciled, there's a bit of a haunting that takes place. Like you just don't want to go back there. It was not a fun lifetime. It was really sticky. It was really maybe you were not such a good guy. Um, maybe things happened to you that were not pleasant. And it's just this part of you that's like, I have no desire to go there. Or when you go to those places and you're in those places, you're just so discombobulated. You are crying, perhaps you get sick, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, you just have these uh, foreboding feelings, this kind of stuff. These are little signs to explore what's really happening as you traverse the planet. I live in New England, which kind of cracks me up. When I was like, I don't know, was I 14, 15, 16? We in my family got the opportunity to get new bedroom sets. And I picked out this look of a bedroom set that was New England. My mother rolled her eyes. She was not a fan. <laughs> but it was like colonial period, right? And I was just like, I loved it mostly because the bedposts had these knobs and out recently was bed knobs and broomsticks. And so I was like, listen, if I could just get this bed to fly, I <laughs> I could I could really have fun with this. So I think it was a little bit more of that because as soon as I saw the bed, I was like, I've got to have that bed. Um, I still have the bedroom set to this day. It's at my parents' house and it's in the spare bedroom. And I still love sleeping in that space. But it was really funny then that I would end up in New England to live more than half my life already. And one of the things I've noticed here is that I cannot wear scarves on the island that I live that's in the middle of the ocean. I can sometimes get away with a necklace, but I cannot um, wear anything close to my throat. No turtlenecks, no, nothing high up on my neck. You know, it, it's really uncomfortable. I can easily wear prayer beads around my neck and that's fine because they hang low and more so over my heart or my solar plexus. But oh my gosh, I just cannot wear scarves out here. Now, in the middle of the country, once I go west of the Mississippi, I can. And that is really interesting, right? So I had this attraction to New England, but while here I'm noticing that there are certain things that I cannot wear. And so when I take time 
to go into a meditative state and just kind of, or exploring it in a thought exercise of writing out what's coming up for me. I know that I was hung in this neck of the woods. Ha ha ha. God, that just came out. All right, listen, I'm so sorry. <laughs> just came out. Um, I know I was hung. I really, it was, it was a, a, but, but it's interesting because it was the sense of having a lifetime where I was a person of power and it wasn't recognized. It was actually feared. And so I was hung in that lifetime uh, to silence me. People did that to silence me because I was a revolutionary. And so it's interesting. I feel like, uh, you know, part of my work in this life is also social change and uplifting consciousness and getting people aligned with higher conscious living. And so that's really interesting. So it wasn't an aversion to live in New England, but there are times I believe, because I've experienced it again in my own work and in others when I work with them, that you should recognize certain kinds of clothes you can and cannot wear. Like I can't always wear um, a lot of bracelets or anklets. I love the idea of them on the Eastern seaboard. I think they look cool. And even when I was younger, I could wear rings like on my toes even, but not ankle bracelets. And I know that was tied to chains, a lifetime of living in chains. I know I've had many lifetimes of all skin colors. And I know that um, there's this propensity towards going where I've gone before to kind of rectify my soul, to get back in alignment to my truth and to feel like, okay, this is, I'm called to this land. I can walk this sacred land. I am safe in my world. Everything is fine. But I really think that sometimes when we have this interesting aversion or these interesting senses that come up, like, you know, why can't I wear ankle bracelets? What's that about? And we let the story unfold as in a thought exercise, like just close our eyes and go, all right, I'm look, picturing the ankle bracelets. And then all of a sudden they turn to chains. And then I turn to a chain gang building the great railway, you know, across the U.S. and all this stuff. And so it becomes this exploration of how can I imagine releasing these chains that hold me back, that have kept me tied to a place of, you know, whatever, whether it's subservient service. And then I look at where does subservient service show up in my life? <laughs> listen, it doesn't have to, you know, listen, I know what you know. Listen, you know that it's like, oh, right. I'm a mother, a wife, a teacher, a healer. And so sometimes I put my needs last and I am, you know, personal sacrifice for a greater good. And it's not my best um, it's not for my highest good. And so I have to recognize when do I serve and when do I overserve or when do I enable and when do I help so much that I don't allow other people to claim their own power? You know, these are the kind of things I encourage you to question. So when I contemplate Salem, Massachusetts, when I was in, I don't know, was it fifth grade, uh, Catholic school, you know, we did a session on the Salem witch trials, I think. Like, I don't know why I think that, but if, uh, if my memory serves me, we did. And I was really intrigued by that. I was intrigued by watching movies about it and everything. And 
I was like, whoa, this is so wild. And I believed it, but didn't believe it. I mean, I believed it happened. Don't get me wrong. But it felt to me that they were, um, you know, tapped in. Some were tapped in and some weren't. And it was just this really interesting energy around esoteric studies. And when I think of Salem, I'm so close. Like I could go to Salem, right? But you know what? <laughs> no desire. No desire. And when I tap into that, I'm like, is this an aversion? Like, do you not want to go there for a reason? Do you think you were burned at the stake or whatever? No, no. It's a been there, done that experience. So, you know, there might be places where you're really not called to because you've, yes, you've lived life there and it was sorted when you were doing it. Everything's fine. No worries. You're still not carrying around the chains or whatever it is. You know, you just, uh, yeah, no, don't need to go back into that energy. I know that many of us have done countless lifetimes in countless incarnations in regards to work as service or work as seekers. You're listening to this because you are probably a seeker and you've probably done the lifetime of monastic life or various religions as a seeker. Like, let me go back and try this religion or let me go back and try that religion or let me go back and try that religion. Because, you know, seekers, that's what we do is we source truth in all the places that we can find it really. And so sometimes I think that when we think of places like, oh, I really should go, you know, for me, it was like, golly, I really should go to Salem. Everybody goes to Salem. And I'm like, <laughs> when I finally sat with that, because I had friends that were going one weekend and I was like, I should go. This is a great opportunity. They're cool people. This would be cool. And I was like, no, no, been there, done that. I'm all set there. I'm all set there. But I definitely know if you're called to a place like that, a place where there was a real uprush of especially psychic unfolding or, uh, you know, those kind of studies, if you're called there or if you have like a longing, like I said last time we were together, or if you have an aversion, like I'm afraid to go there because, um, you should go. You should go. Now, I'm afraid to go to India because I think I would never, never come back. I like the Indian people, the language, the sing song in their voice. I love the clothes. I don't know how I feel about the food, but I am like, oh my God, I just think I was a really happy Indian when I was over there. And I, um, I'm nervous to go back because I don't think I would, would want to come back to my life. And I would get caught up in that you know, that Hinduism and that connectivity and the, you know, I know I was like a whirling dervish. I know I've, you know, a Sikh, I've done all these lifetimes. And in those spaces, I was really happy. I, I know I was a monk on a mountaintop, a cloistered nun. And usually with my spiritual quests where I devote a life of, you know, just immersion in spirit, I've been <laughs> ecstatically happy. You know, I dive right in, right? And so some of those places, I don't really feel a calling to go back to, even though it might be cool to meditate in those spaces, whether physically, right? Or like, like traveling there, buying a plane ticket and traveling, or in my meditation time. Um, you know, you'll know what's right for you or what works for you, because you can certainly go to these places in your mind. Like right now I can hear Indian music <laughs> in my mind. You know, it's just so lovely there's something about the Middle East that's just like, oof, I love this. So um, I think that part of our journey is to recognize that if, if we align to the fact that we've had multiple lifetimes, that there might be some that really fill your soul still, 
that you carry with you as a knowing in this life, but there are also some lifetimes that there is unfinished business. And that's when a soul retrieval kind of experience is important. So let's talk more about that. I think at one point I told you, like, <laughs> I have no desire to go to places where there's uh, volcanoes or, you know, even sometimes like uh, the Maya temples that were created like pyramids. I just know there were so many times that I was the sacrificial virgin in that space, or I sacrificed my life as a man for a greater good, or as, listen carefully, as just punishment took my own life because I feel I failed my people. And I just was like consumed by if I give up my life, they will be restored to, you know, wholeness. Uh, never the truth. <laughs> it's never the case, really. Um, you know, those were grandiose in those incarnations. And so there's a part of me that's like, oh, you got to go to those places. Like you got to go, you got to go to those places, those places that haunt you. So for me, it's, Places with volcanoes, like Vesuvius, I've told you this, um, probably places in Hawaii. I'm really drawn to the Hawaiian people. Really, really, really know I would resonate them with them in my bones. But I would actually, if I ever did a physical trip there, I would go to the places that I don't want to go because that's where I would go. <laughs> that's where I would go and I should go. And while in those spaces, I would notice what comes up for me. I would notice like if things aren't working, you know, sometimes you, in these spaces, you check into a hotel or an accommodation and, you know, things aren't working or the trip gets foiled and you just have to learn to go with the flow, like roll with the Tao, allow your soul to guide you and take the time though to sit in meditation daily to go, what's coming up for me? So again, you can do this from your own armchair. You can think of a place of aversion, a place that you don't want to go because you're just like, oh, this just, it doesn't, not a, not a been there, done that, but a real aversion. Like I have no desire to go there because, you know, uh, like, I think I want to go to the Great Wall of China just because I can imagine the magnificence and I can imagine walking it and connecting to the people that have walked to it. I think that would be remarkable. So that's not an aversion. Um, I don't know why I said that, but whatever. <laughs> Maybe somebody out there that's there like, oh, I don't know. I probably fell off the wall um, or died putting it together. So if you have any of these like, oh, when I think of that place, it scares me, freaks me out, uh, turns my stomach. Then if you go there physically, or if you go there in your meditation time, you close your eyes. If you go there in your meditation time, imagine yourself there, smell the smells, allow your imagination to carry you, see the sights, feel the feelings, the temperature, the air quality. Is it cold or hot? You know, what are the noises around you? What do the people look like? And just feel like, what am I, what is my general feeling about this place? Emotional content. What's the emotional content about this place? And you can, of course, do this in the physical. If you go there physically and you're just like, all right, I'm going to just tune into the energy of this place with the intention of linking to any past life experience that I've had here that I need to kind of reconcile parts of my soul because there was a disrupt and a disconnect 
because it was a harsh environment for me or because I was not really a good person or I was full of ego or I didn't do the greatest good, all of these things. And so allow yourself to kind of follow the breadcrumb trail as a thought exercise to, to um, you know, ask the deeper question, ask the deeper question. Who was I when I was here in the a past life? What did I do for work? And the answers, allow them to bubble up, allow it to be the first awareness that comes to you, allow you to just roll with it. You're going to feel the vibration of truth. Remember as clear sensation, like a warmth or a knowing, you know, well, that's clear cognizance, but a warmth and a, and a connected pull in your being to the truth of the scenario. And then, um, and be okay with initially, you know, going, okay, did I make this up? And you might hear a yes. You know, you ask that question, you hold it up to the light and say, am I making this up? And spirit sometimes says, what difference does it make? You're going to get to the same end result. Like what bothers me about this place? What bothers me about this place? What, what was my task at hand? What did I come to do in that lifetime? What was my greatest lesson of learning? What did I come to do? What did I accomplish? What did I miss? What did I not accomplish? And then you can also say, if I brought harm, who did I bring harm to? And do I know them in this life? Right. And then also ask, where does the energy of this incarnation still bleed through into this lifetime now? What chakra is being adversely affected by this disconnect? What chakra has this mortal wound from a prior incarnation? That has been a real rub in this life. Where's my Achilles heel, if you will, right? Where is, where, what, where am I holding myself back or being held back from this prior experience? I always like to ask, what does my soul want me to know? What is for my highest good to know? I kind of, Oh, I, I always put that question in there in one of my meditative experiences, whether physically in the space that I'm exploring or when I'm in a meditative state, exploring a space at a distance. You know, we travel <laughs> in our mind and our soul. We really do. And many times um, when we look at these past lives, we can ask, was there someone in that life that came with me into this lifetime or did I follow them? And then sometimes it's a, do I owe anyone an apology? <laughs> do you remember the lifetime I told you where I was, I don't even said, think I said the words, you know, I wasn't like this really crazy being that caused a lot of harm to a lot of people. And I had to apologize in my soul mind to all of them. And when I released that, and recognize that I was able to step more greatly into my power of light, you know, because I was carrying all this darkness in my midsection and it was in my solar plexus, which is personal power, self-esteem, who you are and what you came to do. So sometimes when we go to these other places in our mind or physically, and we reconcile these angst of the past or this aversion in real time now, and, and we, I'm sorry, when we recognize the aversion now, but we, repair the the experience of the past or our wrongs of the past it has a ripple effect through this life and we're able to step more into our light i've seen relationships heal when people um 
you know, apologize in a soulful way to the people that they were in the past. I'm going to explain more about that when we get to silk contracts and stuff like that. You know, this whole thing about past lives and karma and Akashic records and soul contracts and all this stuff, you know, I'm going to spend a good, healthy amount of time on this subject because I think there's a lot to share. Um, there is just a lot to share, as you might well imagine. There's a lot to share. You know what else I love doing when I physically or mentally travel to places where I have an aversion with or, um, you know, where I know I need to offer healing is I love to, in my sitting practice, whether physically in the space or mentally from my own chair at home, is I love to imagine holding the energy of that town, city, state, country, continent, whatever. I imagine holding it between my hands, sending it healing light and holding it up near my heart chakra, near my heart to offer forgiveness and love and just beaming it with love and beaming it with love and just holding it in the light for raised awareness. You know, because sadly, when we cause trouble, it has a ripple effect, not to just the people that we do those shameful things to, but the people around them and how they live their life and how they influence others. It's all askew because of our unruly deeds. And so I always want to hold those places and those people in a vibrational state of love and offer kind of restitution or rectifying the imbalance. Conversely, or also, or differently, um, when we do good, of course, that ripples out too. And we bring light to the earth and the planet and the people. And that ripples out in their continents and in their life and to the people they interact with and how they go about their day and how they go about their world. So... <laughs> just want to remind you, we can either, you know, bring the good or the not good. And so sometimes when we have these places where we've been before and we were part of the not good or we were hurt or we were the hurters, it is my um, awareness, truth, knowing that we can still kind of rectify and uh, sort that past in a better way. And so part of that is not just a soul retrieval of our own, like finding this kind of shattered bit of ourself that needs wholeness and healing, but it's also, um, allowing healing out because sometimes when I go into these incarnations, you know, I was wronged. And so as you do your thought exercise, and if that comes up that you were wronged, you know, being chained as a human is wrong. And so I was wronged. And so I had to shine light on the people that believed that was okay. Even back then, I do it to them back then, to where they are, so that their consciousness can be raised, especially if they're still carrying that forward into this incarnation that they have a right to do such injustice, right? What you do matters. 
and what you do in lifetimes matters and it has a ripple effect. We are very powerful spiritual beings. So I really, really, really want to tell you this. When you are courageous enough to go into what scares you, into those places that you have an adverse reaction to, that you don't want to go, I encourage you to wrap yourself in light just with the intention. I ask to be divinely guided and inspired as I work to retrieve a piece of my soul and understand more about myself in the world and what happened in that lifetime. And you can ask that you are guided to know the questions to ask to be open to the answers, to be curious, so that things can come to resolution, wholeness and healing. You've been listening to Soul Awareness with Constance Mesmer. Thank you so much for tuning in. Legally speaking, this podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not intended as a substitute for medical diagnosis, treatment, or the advice of a physician, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional. You should not use this information to diagnose or treat a health problem or condition. Always check with your doctor. Thank you.